This episode of Bushwick Breakaway is brought to you by Rosie's House of Hockey. What's that? It's a podcast hosted by me and Greg. It's going to be on the same feed as Bushwick's Breakaway. It's going to come out four episodes. Two episodes this month in January and two episodes in February. We are going to interview some Riveters, the coach of the Riveters, and go over everything that's happening with the team. Uh, we've partnered with the team to do a little side podcast for them, so hopefully you guys enjoy that. It'll be just like Bushwick's Breakaway, but with the Riveters. That's exactly it. Uh, on top of that, got to thank our Patreon subscribers. Could not do without you every single week. You guys help us stay afloat. It means so much to us and really appreciate all your support. So if you like the podcast and you you want to buy us a beer, it's kind of similar. Instead, you're throwing a dollar or something or 5 or $10 at our face a month where you get maybe a cool sweater back, some t-shirt stickers, and access to talk to us whenever you want. Just press at on the Discord channel and I'll show up. I'll pop up at any point in time. Call that. All right, let's get the show started. Love you all. Here we go. Hey, Blue Shirt Breakaway fans. Welcome to another week of the Blue Shirt Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. What if I don't? Yeah, I don't care. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. It's uh, It's been a long weekend for both of us. I have lost my voice a little bit, and I'm sure as we continue to podcast today, that it'll go and go. Uh, but we drank up at an Islanders bar, and the Rangers won. Against the Islanders, uh, thanks to our good friends Zuccarello, uh, who will soon, soon no longer be a Ranger in the future of the Islanders. Oh, future of the Islanders. Oh, my God. Edit that out, Ryan. Future of the Rangers, Philip Hedl. Uh, we're able to score goals against the Islanders. Both teams played like shit, and both of us were very shit-faced. I think that's... Oh, uh, yeah. That, there was a time in my longer, younger, longer? Younger years. It's been a tough podcast start for us. It's, it's, it's been bad. There, there was a time in my younger years where hangovers would last the first six hours of a day, and that would be considered a long hangover. They're 48-hour affairs for me now, man. I still – I don't feel right, and it's 6 o'clock on a Monday, and I haven't had a drink since uh, Saturday at some point in time. Which is even more impressive because in Europe you didn't have a drink of water for like three days. Yeah, I didn't – but I also realized there was only alcohol being consumed when I was at – the bar. I didn't have any water from breakfast onward on Saturday. Ah, I see. Yeah. That'll well, do it. Hydration is key, guys. That's that's the real life lesson here. It's really the simple fact. It's the it's the essence of life, as they call it. Who calls it that? The Rangers this week had a very interesting week. Mostly they got the crap kicked out of them. There's Mostly. a lot there's a lot to go through. Um let's save the good for a little bit, but right now I guess the breaking news that's coming up on Twitter. Currently, as we're recording this, at 6 p.m. on a Monday night, January 14th, New York City. Little Steve Summer shout out there. Uh, is Ryan Lindgren is being called up to the New York Rangers. What do we think about that so far, Gregory? I mean, it's mostly because Freddie Clayson is hurt, right? Or we're expecting some sort of trade to break as soon as this podcast is posted. Uh, I think Freddie Clayson is just hurt. But at the same time, it's... It's nice that Lindgren's coming up. I, we don't know for sure if he's NHL ready. He's played well for Hartford. He's a defensive-minded defenseman. So if you're expecting the Rangers to all of a sudden have an uptick in scoring from their defense, that is a little irresponsible. That's not his game. I don't know if it ever will be his game. But do not expect a 20-year-old Ryan Lindgren to come in and necessarily buoy this team in any kind of offensive direction. At the same time, 
I, I, it's one thing I think we, we've circled around it. I think we've touched on it a little bit. We've definitely ranted about it here and there. But having eight NHL defensemen on your roster, it sure seems like just a poor use of resources. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Especially because, well, I guess the offense hasn't been too awful for the Rangers the last week. I mean, the week before was not, no, not so look, great. The defense is a problem. We all know the defense is a problem. The, for the most part, the Rangers' defensive unit is shitty. So Ryan Lindgren, we hope, is part of the long-term question-answer project that Jeff Gorton is undertaking here. So it's fine. The, the Rangers are what they are. If you want to give your young guys a look, give them a look. The problem is the Rangers, all season, have to move defensemen. And they in order to create openings for guys like Ryan Lindgren. It's great that he's going to be here. It just doesn't make any sense to me that the Rangers are still going to dress eight defensemen and two of them are going to get the short end of the stick. Doesn't it always feel based around Tony D'Angelo, like in his existence? Not not just D'Angelo, though. I, I think you have to put Smith and McQuaid in this boat, too. I Two of those three just should no longer be here. I, I just think it's that simple. Adam McQuaid, if you want to trade him, trade him. Brendan Smith, if you've deemed him useless, which I, I think David Quinn is getting to that point, then wave him again and put him down in Hartford and let him cook there until you can buy him out. Or D'Angelo, if you've decided that Tony D'Angelo is not part of your long-term solution, why are you just carrying his dead weight around on the roster? The, in my opinion, all three of those guys shouldn't be on the roster if they're not part of the equation anymore. At least two of them need to be gone, though. I don't understand... I, I get wanting to wait for McQuaid's market to pick up a little bit, but at some point you have to establish the market if you're Jeff Gordon. You can't wait for some other team to decide Adam McQuaid is worth X. It's funny you mentioned the establish the market thing because one of the questions I wanted to talk to you about today was more – I've been reading on and off some blog boy uh, articles about how it's not a seller's market, right? So that Gordon might have a tough time selling his pieces. Is that true, or is that more just blog boys being blog boys? Um, I maybe a little column A, a little column B. It feels like a, a clickbaity headline. I'm not. I'm not shitting on Joe or the banter guys at all. I'm not. I really not. I trust me. You'd know if I was. But it just it just feels like that's the easy column to write right now. And that I think the NHL has a lot of teams that are competing. I think there's a pair. I think this is a normal season for the NHL. So if the trades will be there. Maybe Gordon won't get the value he wants. Maybe he will. I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll get the value he wants to McQuaid at all. I think it was dumb the moment we made it. But that's, that's I, fine. I, I think the big problems for the Rangers are Matt Duchesne and Mark Stone are both kind of hanging there. The Senators can say all they want about how they want to keep both players, but I think that would be a huge title change for the Ottawa Senators to actually keep some of their expiring assets and pay them. So I, excuse me if I'm just figuring the Senators will not have money for high-priced talent. Because if you don't have money for Eric Carlson, who are you going to have money for? No one. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't think it's the greatest environment the Rangers have ever found themselves in. At the same time, you, the Rangers are in a position where if they want, they can establish their own market. Because however you feel about whether the Rangers should or should not trade Kevin Hayes, he will be one of the four most desirable options on the trade market. We're going to talk with Allison from the Athletic Cleveland slash Columbus today, and it 
if Artemi Panarin was available, yes, that would change a lot of things for the short-term market. But he Blue Jackets are playing really well. Available. They're currently second in the Metropolitan. There's zero reason for them to say – there's zero reason for the Columbus Blue Jackets right now to do an about-face and decide that Artemi Panarin will not help them in the short term. So if, if Panarin's off the table, there aren't a whole lot of guys like Kevin Hayes that are going to be made available. Wayne Simmons isn't as good as Kevin Hayes is right now. The only guys readily available and even readily available is a loose term if you actually believe what the Senators are saying are guys like Duchesne and Stone. So you're going to get a lot for Kevin Hayes. I think it might hurt a little for like Matt Zuccarello. His market's going to be hurt, but his market may have already been hurt because he just hasn't had that good of a year. Well, his market might, you know, people have recency bias, believe it or not, no matter what happens. Hey, Torelli's looking to trade right now. But Zuccarello has had a pretty good last week. He's really picked up his game, so maybe that's big. Uh, that'll be a big part of it. Yeah, it, but I, I, I don't think I don't think the the think pieces are wrong. I, I do think it's a good year to be a buyer because you have a lot of options. But that also doesn't mean Kevin Hayes is going to cost sixty cents on the dollar. Oh, I don't think so at all. I, I think he'll definitely get a first and a prospect. He he honestly better at this point. Uh, otherwise, I, I might. Well, you, I, I've been on the train for a long time. I, I hate trading assets or, or getting assets and just expiring them on contracts. That sounds awful. So we'll see what happens. I mean, with Stone and uh, and Duchesne out on the market, that does hinder us a little bit. But I have a feeling the Senators are not going to be easy to deal with. Is they, like, like, they just have a track record of being a total I mean, crap show. Is that an easy way to put it? That's an easy way to put it. And again, the Senators, everything they've said is they'd like to keep the two of them. The Rangers have never said anything about Kevin Hayes besides we've signed him to a one-year contract. They've said nothing. They haven't even told his agent anything. Yeah, so the Rangers, you can wait around and have the market set itself, and then you can go shopping at whatever the prices are set, or you can be the guy to set the market. And to me, when you think the market is going to be a little saturated, go out and set it yourself. Go get the first deal done. Go decide that depth defensemen are going to be worth a third-round pick this year. There's just – again, just going back to McQuaid, specifically McQuaid. If Ryan Lindgren's here, he has to play. And if Ryan Lindgren has to play, that means Brady Shea's going to play, Kevin Shatkirk's going to pray, play, Ryan Lindgren's going to play. Well, we're all praying. We're all praying. God bless. Uh, we've seen no indication that Neil Pionk and Mark Stahl are coming out of this lineup anytime soon. Man, and Neil Pionk has been pretty bad lately. Oh my uh, goodness! The, yeah, the, the first the first Islander game was the most unkind game we've ever seen. That's a Neil. Yeah, it, yeah, it was tough. The uh, the pass to Josh Bailey across the middle and Neil just just not covering him is like oh boy. I, Neil Neil Pionk was the primary defender on three different goals, yeah, and it was not, it was difficult. Not great, uh, but still that those are five defensemen that have that either have to play or are going to play every night, which means you still have the situation of. McQuaid, D'Angelo, and Smith. And we've already been over this. Just D'Angelo, just play him. And if you're not going to play him, get rid of him. Smith, just get rid of him because it seems obvious he's not part of this future. And McQuaid, you're waiting for a market to develop that might not develop. At some point, you have to just admit a mistake and move forward. Yeah, I believe you. And well, I don't believe. I just agree with you, rather, that Smith should be down in the AHL. You did it last year. You've seen him play this year. It's not like he's provided this spark of aggression and grit that maybe you wanted him to. I was driving the Brendan Smith train early in the preseason. I was hyped. I thought maybe, hey, maybe we can get the guy I saw in the playoffs who really revitalized this team back. I was incredibly wrong. I'm eating all the crow on it. 
Smith is just not an NHL defender right now. And well, I, I the, still the keep thinking back the to thing myself. Smith, the thing with Smith is he actually does a few things well. He's been very good in his own zone, and he's been good at shot suppression this year. So it's it's not like he's been just downright fucking terrible. He was earlier this year, but it seems to have evened out. The problem is he does one thing every night that seems to piss David Quinn off, and he's definitely not playing like a $4.5 million defenseman. So if the coach doesn't like him and he's not playing up to his contract, then just call it a defeat. Bury some of that contract in the AHL this year and buy him out in the summer. It's that simple. I I think the Rangers are overthinking it. You're not going to establish his market by David Quinn saying, this guy fucking sucks so much. He can't play on a team that includes Mark Stahl, Neil Pionk, and Adam McQuaid. Like, that's sending the wrong message to other GMs. Our defense is so terrible. So just, yeah, just... I, the range, I, and this isn't just a Ranger thing. I think every pro, pro sports team just admitted admit, admit a mistake when you've made it. Brendan Smith was a mistake. The only way you can fix that mistake the is by not allowing it to complicate a future situation. And the Rangers are letting that happen. Maybe not with McQuaid, but if Lindgren is up and not playing every night, that doesn't make any sense. The sunk cost fallacy is a real thing in, in all aspects of life. I mean, business, but especially in sports. People do not eat it when they should. Like, there's a couple, there's contracts all over all sports where you're just like, shouldn't that guy just not be playing anymore? What's the opportunity cost of playing that guy for your team in development? And and that's a hard thing for teams to weigh and make decisions on because they feel like they've already invested in this player and they want to ride it out. Brandon Smith is a, a nice example of that. And it's just, it's time, it's over. This whole year was supposed to be about playing and developing. And Brandon Smith is not going to be part of the development or the future. And I think we both agree on that. Yeah. And, as much shit as we give the Rangers for their management of the defense, at least Neil Pionk, Pionk is playing every night. Neil Pionk. We're, we're, we're learning some things that maybe we didn't want to learn about him this season, and we sure would have loved to see him play with defenders not named Mark Stahl. But at least he's playing, so we can get some kind of kernel of good news from it. Like He's not playing great, but at least now we have a baseline to expect what from Neil Pionk moving forward. Yeah, it's like, hey, Neil – has some defensive issues, has some ability to probably be a winger. Neil Pionk can't play with Mark Stahl. We figured that one out in 2018-19, that's for sure. Yeah, no, that was good for us. We, it, was, it was a lesson we learned. And now we know he needs to work on certain things like defending and entry, <laughs> like basic defenseman tactics. But the guy can score, score a goal once in a while. I, I, that's that's about the it. thing, though. Like, remember when we were all excited about Neil Pionk getting points? It's been a long time since Neil Pionk has put up some points. Uh, yeah, I can't remember the last time, actually. I think it was like I think, two I think ago, he's, two, three If I saw a stat correctly on the interweb, and I'm sure someone will correct me. Oh, absolutely. I think he's got one point in his last 27 games. What? Oh my yeah, God. it's been a while, man. It's been a while. Mark Stahl has a lot more points than that. Uh, Mark's looked good. Mark's the only part I'm out the defense I'm happy about. Is that weird? Well, it uh, relative to expectations, no. Because you had none for Mark Stahl. Yeah. I mean, I, mean I'm, I guess I'm happy with Shea. But at the same time, sometimes I feel like he's he's had an up and down season. He sure has. And I don't also blame him for having an up and down season for what's playing around him. The Shattenkirk thing, I'm just so sad about. Like so disappointing. I don't know. I, I know that injury really took a lot out of Shattenkirk, and he's not playing the same. And maybe he'll he'll never get back to the person he was. But man, the Lightning almost signed him to seven years, like eight million, and he came here for four. Yeah, I don't know. I. I don't think Shattenkirk's been all that bad. I think some of that is perception. I, I just – is it wrong for me to, as a fan to expect something more out of him? 
Yeah, because if you were expecting something more than this, I really don't know what you were expecting. I was expecting some uh, a, a defenseman who brings some sort of offensive firepower to a power play and could be... Uh, but the Rangers aren't playing him in those situations. It's insane. So at some point, Kevin Shacker can only do so much on his own. He's not even getting top power play minutes this year. And, the, and he's, I, a, he's a power play monster. That's what he is. I thought so, that was his whole point of being on this team. Maybe. And, and maybe I, I was know. wrong in thinking that. Maybe I just don't know anything. Well, that's true, actually. Or but, maybe the coaching staff is misusing a player. Wouldn't it be the first time in the history of sports? It won't be the last. But I don't know. It seems weird when Quinn and Shattenkirk go back so far. Like, these guys have known each other forever. He's probably known Shattenkirk since he was 13. I don't know. I, I I personally don't think Kevin Shattenkirk has had that bad of a year. I don't think he's been awful, but my expectations of Shattenkirk when he signed as a Ranger, it was definitely higher than what we've gotten. I, I mean, some of it's been the knee injury, and I totally understand that. But since he came back this year, I thought, hmm, Shattenkirk. No, Kevin, he's just not a guy that's going to anchor a defensive unit, and the Rangers' defensive unit is bad. Man, so To me, that just makes that a bad signing, unfortunately. It's a, it's a misread of your roster. That's what it is. It's like, oh, I, what are we trying to do right now? Rebuild or are we trying to compete? Why don't we why don't we sign when the Rangers, sh- why, when the Rangers sign- why don't we sign a Shattenkirk guy and play with Ryan McDonough for twenty two minutes, you assholes? Yeah. It, when the Rangers signed Kevin Shattenkirk, they didn't think they were rebuilding. They couldn't have thought they were rebuilding, because that doesn't make sense as a rebuilding move. So at the same time so everyone wants to point to the Derek Stepan trade as the true point where the rebuild started. I don't think it was, guys. I think the Rangers thought they were good last year, even after the Stepan trade. I thought they thought the defense was going to be really good with McDonough, Shattenkirk, Smith, and Shea as a top four. And then it cratered. And then they decided, all right, fuck, that didn't work, so let's fix it. I don't think Shattenkirk's played this year. I think anyone expecting him to be vastly different than what he is is kind of misunderstanding the point of what Kevin Shattenkirk is. I think I am. I really do. I don't think Kevin Shattenkirk has ever been a clear-cut top-pairing defender, which is fine. He's really good at what he does. But wait, hold on. But if, you, if he's never if he, been a clear-cut top-bearing defender, how can you pay that dude $6.5 million? Because it's hockey, man. That's crazy. Look who else. James Neal's getting sick. We're going to talk with Kent Wilson today of, of the Athletic Calgary. We're talking to a lot of athletic people today. James well, Neal got $6-plus million, really dollars and he's having a hard back, time. By the way. What? I really yeah, hope no. the Athletic came back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, James Neal got $6-plus million this year as a free agent. He can't play in the top six in Calgary. <sighs> That's just an NHL contracts, man. Don't let the – we talked about some costs. Don't let the contract dollar sign determine what the player should be or shouldn't be. That's right. It's fair. not Kevin Chattenkirk's fault. The Rangers gave him $6.5 million. No, it's not on him. No, it's not. He earned it. I was very excited for him to be here. I mean, I feel bad that he didn't sign with Tampa now, especially because, well, they, we, we wouldn't have him. They would have him for eight years. On, Kevin Chattenkirk on the perfect team is your power play quarterback and a top four defenseman. The New York Rangers have needed him to be – one of their two best defensemen and aren't playing him on the top power play at all. At some point, at some point, if the doc, if you have a broken leg, but the doctor's telling you it's cancer, maybe go see a different doctor. Yeah, that's probably it. All right. Well, that's enough about Kevin Scheidenkirk. What else is on our agenda? Chris Kreider's good at hockey, huh? He has <laughs> scored five goals. I think it's five games in a row. He scored. Did I saw that correctly. He is an interesting piece coming come trade time because We've gone back and forth with Chris Kreider. I, I'm sure someone's going to call about him, but I really do think he's going to stick around and get the captaincy for this team. That's kind of what I hope happens. I think he's going to be a build-around piece for the future, despite his age being probably more advanced than the team wants at this point. But, hey, 
right price, anything can happen in this league. I'm uh, just not sure. Like we said, the buyer's market's out there. Well, you can get Mark Stone or one of those. Mark Stone, sorry. Uh, that, no, that's correct. Uh, Matthew Shane and Mark Stone, you, you should, uh, rather than Chris Kreider. So I'm not sure they're going to call about that over Kevin Hayes because I think our response uh, to any phone call about Chris Kreider would be like, what about Kevin Hayes? Would be I think it's kind of the similar situation that Zuccarello found him in at last year's deadline. The Rangers, for the right price, would have been happy to move Zook last year. I don't think the price presented itself. I think the price would be even higher on Kreider. I think it'd be a lot higher. I we've gone back and forth on this. There, well, some of our first podcasts were me talking about how the Rangers should entertain shopping Chris Kreider for the right package, uh, and that was three years ago now. Well, value's never been higher at this point. It hasn't. You're going to get him for two playoff runs if you want him. I, I just, I am also of the opinion that you just can't. I get it's a rebuild. You just can't trade everybody. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. You can't shop everything unless someone blows your fucking socks off, comes in and is just like, okay, three first-round picks and that prospect. Okay, now we're talking. And again, if you really want to sign Panarin this offseason, you have to sell Panarin on a certain vision. In order to sell him on that certain vision, you need Zibanejad, Kreider. You need those guys here to be like, you see those two? That's the foundation we want to put you with. And we want you to, they're going to elevate you. You're going to elevate them. That's your top line for the next five years. And we're also going to draft as many young kids as possible. We're going to develop. We're going to have this whole system. We want to make a dynasty and we want you to be the head of it. Yeah. I I get that money's money and 10, $11 million is 10, $11 million. Even with taxes, like it's a fuckload of money. It's more money than any human being truly ever needs in their entire life. That's great. And it's New York City. That's great. But in order to get Artemi Panarin to sign the dotted line, you have to sell him on more than hopes and dreams. And I, I'm i here to trade Kevin Hayes. I'm here to trade Matt Zuccarello because it really feels like the Rangers have decided those are two players that are not part of their long-term vision. If you want to trade Vladi Nemestikov, I agree with that as well because he's playing decent hockey. And I, too, think the Rangers have decided he's not part of their long-term vision. But you have to keep someone here for Panarin to play with. And it can't just be Hedl, Anderson, and Howden. You have to build with vets. Not aging vets over the age of 32 who have already seen their glory days. Chris Kreider is in his prime. Mika Zibanejad is in his prime. If you want to bring Artemi Panarin in, that's great. I'm here for it. In order to get him to sign here, you need other prime players. So you can't just sit there and say, trade everyone, and then we're signing Panarin. If you're going to trade everyone, why sign Panarin? It doesn't make any fucking sense. No. And if you're Panarin, why sign here? Just go to the Islanders. Like, if you really want to be in New York that badly, they also have a young core that you can build around, who, by the way, are playing playoff hockey right now. And they have Matt so, Barzal, who's probably going to be an all-star for mad years to come. Yeah, so what? What are you signing? Panarin doesn't give a fuck about your heritage. What, what, what does he give a shit? He doesn't care when, at all. When he was a kid, there was a fucking wall in Berlin. <laughs> like, what, what does he give a fuck? He doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't care. Yeah, so I I just I'm always confused when everyone's saying hey, it's a rebuild. You have to trade everyone. No, you don't. It's a rebuild, so you have to identify the long term pieces, and that's what the Rangers are doing. It seems like they've identified Zibanejad and Kreider as long term pieces. They didn't do that with Kevin Hayes. You can disagree with it, but that's what they've come to the conclusion with. So you got to keep someone in order to get Panarin. I would be I would be flummoxed if they could traded Chris Kreider this year. I would be too. I would I would actually be floored. 
And unless if they trade, if let me put it this way, if they trade Kreider, they better trade Zibanejad because if you're going to strip it down, you got to strip it all down. Yeah, it's got to be a total absolute rebuild. Like if Zibanejad yeah. had to go, then he would have to go. You'd have to go, and you're not signing. And I would not want to sign Panarin because there is no point. You've decided that the clock is not starting for another three years. Yeah, and now you're now you're just trying to build a dynasty through the draft, and you're just ready to put your fans through shitholes nation right. for like six years. Right. So it. I mean, hey, is, listen. I you saw the process happen in Philadelphia. If you watch NBA at all, it's kind of worked out. Now they're not. They might not win a title, but they're going to be contenders for at least seven years now. Philly's, you know, they were dying for it. Now they have two all stars, three now. So we'll we'll see. I, would you give that up? Would you have crappy Ranger hockey for seven years to have ten good years of Rangers hockey? If you're asking me, it's a strategy. I'm here for it because I think it's an interesting strategy. And interesting to me is always at least somewhat fun. I just I I can't see the Rangers going down that path or needing to go down that path. I'm not saying the Rangers are going to be Stanley Cup contenders next year, but if in some way, shape, or form your top line is Kreider's Abinajad Panarin, and then you also have Heedle, Anderson, Howden, Kravtsov. Um, a mix of other players? <laughs> fuck, there were more players I was going to list, and then I just had... Foss? Foss, like a... I'm not sure Jesper is here after this year. What about Butch will be here? Butch, that's the one I was looking for. Butch. Like, the Rangers have, a at, at worst, an intriguing top nine. And Strom has proven to be oh yeah a we, fuck ton better than Ryan Spooner. We should talk about that real quick before we go to the interview. Ryan Strom trade has been amazing. Right? Oh, great, most because Ryan Spooner is not a hockey player. That's correct. And Ryan the Rangers Str- got a hockey player for not a hockey player. And Ryan Strom has played very well for us, like yeah, way more than you could ask him for. Yeah, he's he's a really good guy. He's a good depth piece on a good team. That's and a- if the Rangers want to be a good team next year, having a guy like Ryan Strom in your bottom six. Is really fucking useful. It's valuable. He's basically he's basically everything I've wanted Jimmy VC to be. Oof, shots fired. Yeah, I said it. Yeah. Like if Jimmy VC was Ryan Strom, I'd be like, damn, Jimmy VC is actually useful yeah. most of the time. Jimmy VC just has those scoring spurts where he's like, I'm a real good scorer, and then that's about it. I don't know what else he does. Yeah, that, but you know what? If Jimmy VC just embraced being a Ryan Strom hockey player, that'd be two good guys to have in your bottom six. Instead, I, I still think Jimmy Vesey is kind of just vanilla and with you. is what it is. Let's go to um, – oh, you want to go to the interview? we got one more point here. Do we have one more point? I do think it's worth talking Zuccarello. The last couple of games has looked lively. Yeah, I was mentioning that before. I mean, it's it seems like he's increased his trade value a little bit. Seems like maybe they had a little talk to him, like, hey, we're sorry. A little bit of apology on the side, but this is business. Hopefully we can make it up to you. We'll he's, a, he's looked like Matt Zuccarello, which – you know, if you want to, if you want that to say it's helped his trade value, yeah, because he's looked like the player we know he is. Uh, again, I think this this is this is another weird topic point for me because NHL GMs love to make trades based on reputation. Yeah, they do. And yet, people people tell me all the time that in order to get anything of value for Adam McQuaid, you have to play him. But NHL GMs love trading on reputation, so he doesn't really need to play because we know his reputation. reputation. I feel that way too because like everyone says, you know, you might get a third or a fourth for Zuccarello, but then I'm like, I think you could get a second. I really do. I'd be stunned if they got less than a second. Really you do. can't I'd be stunned if the New York Rangers came away with less than what they got for Michael Grabner. That was my point. Like Zuccarello is three times the not no offense to Michael Grabner. He's three times the man three times. He's three hundred times the man I'll ever be. He's got muscles on muscles, but Zuccarello out hockeys him every day of the week, Monday through Friday. 
Yeah, and you know what you're getting with Zook? You're getting a proven top six score who you don't have to pay a whole ton of money for after this season. And who's going to facilitate and add offense to, your, to any team, no matter what happens. And he's got that playoff pedigree that people absolutely love. He's performed at high levels in the playoffs. And if so, he didn't lose the ability to speak, we might have won a Stanley Cup. It, it's odd to me that people, there are people in this world that think the New York Rangers will get less in a trade for Matt Zugrell than they got for Michael Grabner. The Rangers got a second-round pick and a B-level prospect for Michael Grabner. That's Even at the time of the trade, the Devils knew was a bottom six winger with scoring upside, but probably just a penalty killer. I think it's important to talk like we do crap on Gordon once in a while, but last year he traded two pieces that didn't play in the playoffs for valuable pieces. That's amazing. Who else didn't play? Oh, wait, no. Who else didn't play in the playoffs? Nick Holden. He played a little bit in the playoffs. Uh, That's I, I just If everyone hasn't been the cap friendly to check out their new trade history functions where you can see general managers and all the trades they've made over the course of their career. I have not done this. I'm excited to. Uh, it's fantastic. Do you know who the Rangers used their third-round pick on in the Nick Holden trade? Uh, was it Niels Lundqvist? No, that was the second-rounder, right? No, Niels was a first-round pick. Hmm. Third-round, 88th overall, the Rangers took Joey Keane. That's the pick we got for Nick Holden. Oh, boy. <laughs> so the Rangers, in essence, turned Nick Holden into Joey Keane. That, you, you, you take that... That's Every good. fucking day, That's Ryan. Good. That's good. I mean, Joey Keane has looked pretty good. So, jo- Joey Keane might be what the third most exciting prospect the Rangers took in last year's draft, and that's that's in no way, shape, or form an insult to Niels Lundqvist. Oh, it's not. I mean, Kondre Miller is a monster. I'm so excited. Krasnoff, Krasnoff Miller and Joey Keane have easily gotten the most buzz out of last year's draft for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for our future. It's just our present I don't like so much. Yeah. So if you can turn Adam McQuaid into a third round pick, fucking do it. I, it, again, just to circle back to our first point in this podcast, carrying eight defensemen, it's like the equivalency of carrying seven starting pitchers. Real dumb. And wanting to use them as starting pitchers. Not openers, starting pitchers. Yes. Starting pitchers. Yep. All right, let's go to our first interview. We have Allison, I'm going to butcher this, Lunka? Lucan. Sure. Allison Lucan. I'll ask her. Of the Athletics Talk, uh, Blue Jackets, Panarin, Bobrovsky, and all things that. Transition. We have Allison Lucan. Lucan! I messed it up right off the bat. That was amazing. She told me how to pronounce her name right before this. From The Athletic, here to cover the Blue Jackets. Allison, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Of course. Uh, we wanted to get you... We're doing a trade series right now. Uh, we did this last year when the Rangers were sellers, and you are our first guest for the trade series. Uh, the Rangers just played the Blue Jackets. Was that as easy as you thought it would be? Um, You know, I I don't think it was primarily because of the play of Sergei Bobrovsky. I think he he didn't look his best. Um, And uh, Jackets fans are a little scarred in terms of giving up late leads (laughs) this year. So um, I don't know that it was fully decided until right there in the final minutes. It's funny because watching it from a Ranger perspective, it looked fully decided within the first period. Yeah, it was (laughs) (laughs) The first period was was dominant for sure, but again, to illustrate the point, while it was a dominant performance, it was tied two two, right? So, um, I think that's where maybe the nerves came from from a Blue Jackets perspective. Is they played perhaps one of their best periods and they're still tied. <laughs> so um, that's been the nature of the beast this year. Greg and that's I had fair. very long weekends. Uh, we went to a Rangers Islanders drink up, so you can imagine what that was like. But the reason I bring this up is because we didn't get to pay attention to some of the Bobrovsky news that came out over the weekend. Could you fill us in on that? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Well, I can fill you in on what we know for sure. 
Um, so the team was on a three-game road trip uh, last week. Um, it ended with a game last Tuesday in Tampa Bay. Um, Bobrovsky started that game. He was in net um, for all, all four goals against. The Jackets were unable to generate a single goal of their own. Um, people who follow the Jackets may remember that the last time the Jackets were in Tampa Bay this year, uh, the Lightning hung eight on them, and Bobrovsky was in net for all eight of those. Um, but this game, uh, after the fourth, Tortorella pulled Bobrovsky. He later said he pulled him because he didn't want him to be scarred by any more goals against and that he was planning on saving him for the team's next game. However, um, something happened. We do not know the details. Something happened between the time that the team, that Bobrovsky left the ice um, in that game and the team got to uh, the tarmac at the airport there in Tampa to board the team plane to come back to Columbus. Uh, the next day, uh, the team was going to be hosting Nashville and a press release, uh, excuse me, two days later, the team was hosting Nashville and a press release went out that Bobrovsky, there had been an incident uh, with the team uh, that was not in line with the team's values um, and guidelines and that Bobrovsky was being asked to basically without using the word suspended, be suspended for that game. Um, he was away that day. Um, there was a no talk policy basically from Coaches and players, um, tons of no comment, no matter how much we asked or who we asked. Um, Bobrovsky returned the first time we saw him was the next day when he was at practice. And uh, he issued a mea culpa. Uh, he said that it was not anything between him and John Tortorella. Uh, he said that he is a blue jacket right now and he will play for his team and that the conduct was not who he wants to be and who he wants to be as a player and as a teammate. He then sat again for the next game, um, which was in Washington. Yunus Corposalo played that game as well and also won. Um, and then had his uh, Bob had his first return to net last night against the Rangers. Um, and as I mentioned, looked a little rusty. So it's, it was a very dramatic time, a lot of questions, because Bobrovsky is a unrestricted free agent at the end of the season and currently has a no move clause. Um, so it's been curious off the ice, but surprisingly seems to have galvanized this team. They've gone three and O since this incident, whatever it was. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, as guys who follow the Rangers, a lot of focus this year has been on what's Panarin going to do because it, it sure seems like the Rangers will at least be involved. I mean, we've had, uh, your colleague Aaron Portsline on this podcast before over the summer, and he said the scuttlebutt was he'd be a Ranger. So we've been very excited for a very long time. But I think it's gone a little under the radar that Bobrovsky is also not exactly a for sure deal moving forward with the Blue Jackets. And it's been stuff like this. He also had some interesting comments over the summer that were basically saying, this is where I am for now. That doesn't mean that's where I'm going to be forever. Not exactly normal soon to be free agent, just, I, I mean, how many times have we've heard just, uh, you know, the, the boring, I'd love to be here for a long time. We'll see what happens. Yada, yada. Bobrovsky's always kind of done his own thing. Right. And it, I guess it doesn't help that he's having a bad year because right. the talk of surrounding Bobrovsky and his free agency, it feels like it hasn't been as loud as other pending unrestricted free agents. It, am I often saying that? No, I, I, I think you're right. And I think, you know, 
particularly in this market, Panarin is obviously getting more of the talk. I, you know, he's so dynamic, such a, a great talent offensively. Um, and he is the player that the franchise had said, we're ready to basically pay him what he wants um, before he declined. But that was such news that I think the fact that things weren't happening with Bobrovsky kind of slid under the radar. And, and I also think it, it's interesting because where is he going to go, right? Because, you know, when we think about unrestricted free agents, of course they want the contract. Of course they want the term. That is what they've earned. But, you know, in terms of a place where he can go to a competitive team that needs a number one goaltender and will pay a number one goaltender what Bob wants to get paid, that's a smaller market. You know, earlier conversations had him maybe going there to the island. But now we're hearing that Lou might be happy with what he's getting there in net from both, you know, uh, both of his goaltenders. So I think that might be the other part of it with why it's a little quieter is because this isn't really, it's not as wide open of a market. I mean, I think if, if, if a team can get a Panarin, they're going to find a way to make room. But if you already have solid goaltending, I don't think it's the same strategy, right? Even if it's a Bobrovsky, a two-time Vesna winner who's on the market. Yeah, and this brings us to the whole point why we wanted you on today. Less that we think there's a match in trade with the Rangers and the Blue Jackets. Um, at least, I'll, I'll say it right now, there's no way the New York Rangers are going to be trading for Artemi Panarin. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense for them to do it. And we we bring this up at least once a week on the podcast. So I don't want people seeing that we brought Allison Lucan on to talk about how the Rangers are somehow going to magically trade for Panarin. It's not happening, guys. It, it, it's never been happening. Uh, right. But... The Blue Jackets, to me, are in the most interesting situation come deadline day because you you have a firm grasp on a playoff spot. You're the number two team in the Metropolitan right now, but arguably your two best players might not be Blue Jackets at in July first. So what do you what put yourself in the GM's chair? How exactly are you handling this deadline? What's your move? Do you stand pat? Do you go all in because this is your one chance? Or do you honestly consider, even considering the spot you are in the standings right now, moving a Panarin or a Bobrovsky? Yeah, I listen, I, I'm not one of those people who has aspirations of being a GM. And this this is a perfect example of why. Um, there, as I mentioned, you know, with Bob right now, their hands are tied. Even if they want to trade him, they can't. Um, he holds all the chips. Um, my colleague Aaron Portsline, who you mentioned, did ask... Um, GM Yarmo Kekalainen, if they have asked Sergei Bobrovsky to consider waiving that no move, and um, there was not an answer to that question. So right now, Bob is here. Um, that's that's just a done deal. If they can get him to waive it, do they explore it? They maybe do if they give Corpusalo more time and it looks like he might be able to carry the load. To this point, he has not. Um, but they might. Now, Panarin, this was always the tricky one for me. I was going into this season, I have always been a fan of saying, regardless, you have to practice good asset management and to let such a worthwhile asset, a valuable asset walk for nothing is just bad asset management. Um, at the same time, you know, if, if 
word is true and, and Panarin wants to go to the Rangers and they're not going to trade for him. And if I was in the Rangers shoes, I wouldn't either. Why give something up when you're going to get someone for free, basically, um, in a couple of months? You know, if you're if you're going to give him up, you're going to get diminishing returns. So do you keep him and push? And now this theory is coming that the concept is you're basically trading him to yourself, just like you would a rental if you were in the hunt. You know, the Jackets, as many teams have, have done that in the past. Last year, they did that for Ian Cole. Um, you know, they brought in a couple guys to make that push, and it really did take them over the edge into what they needed to do to finish out the season. They brought in Thomas Vanek, too, and both of those guys walked. So can they sell themselves and management that that's what they're doing here? And that if you're only going to get some picks and not a ton back for Panarin because teams aren't going to pay a lot for an asset they're not going to have past the deadline, no matter how good he is, do you just consider saying, hey, we traded him to ourselves and we make a run? Um, I'm hearing that theory more and more. If you're not going to get a good enough return, then I guess I don't have a problem with that. But I also don't know how deep this team can go in the playoffs as constructed. They probably would need to bring in another at least offensive asset, probably, um, to solidify themselves down the middle. So now you're paying even more. Um, So it's a quandary. I, I think you have to listen. And I think that if Panarin, the word is that Panarin and his agent are going to meet here starting next week sometime because that's the Jackets bye week and then talk with the club. If there's no indication that this player is going to sign, I think you have to listen. And if you get something even that's 85, 90% of what you hoped, you might have to just take it. Well, let's go the other way a little bit here. Uh, is there a chance the Blue Jackets try and add to make to have a deeper run to try and keep an Aaron? Like, would you, would you trade your first round pick for next year to get a, to get an asset? Is that a I, I definitely, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, as I mentioned, I think for this team to really make a push in terms of what we see from them right now, they would need to add probably some center depth. So they would need to make a trade, but not at the price of a first round pick. Definitely not. Um, this is a team whose prospect pipeline isn't as rich as it's been in past years. And I don't think they can compromise that significantly right now. So you're, you're shopping more along the, we just like putting everything in Ranger terms. You're shopping more in the Vlad Nemesnikov <laughs> aisle than the Kevin Hayes aisle. I mean, Kevin Hayes is a name that's, that's been out there as someone who would fit nicely uh, with the jackets. I, I mean, it depends on return. I, there's so many moving parts, right? Because, if Panarin stays, do you go after Kevin Hayes? Probably because your window is back, right? Your window is more solid. Right. Um, if Panarin is leaving, you trade Panarin, you have assets. Now you do go for a Kevin Hayes regardless because now you've kind of shored yourself back up. If Panarin stays as a rental, do you trade for a Kevin Hayes? I, I don't I, I don't know. I just don't know. Just feels like that's the market right now. Is, like, is there any other players that have kind of been rumored out there for you outside of the Rangers? <laughs> it's only the Rangers, ever the Rangers. <laughs> outside of us, outside of us. I don't know. Maybe Mark Stone somewhere else. I don't know. I mean, there are names. I mean, this is a team that was rumored to be in the initial round of Matt Duchesne talks uh, way back when. Um, I don't know if if that's a player that they'd go after. Um Again, I th- I think it's hard to I, – I haven't heard any names. I'm not seeing many names tied directly to them. And I think, again, 
Um, first, this is a front office that is notoriously quiet. Um, often Yarmo does splashy moves that no one knows are coming, like the Brandon Sadar, Temi Panarin trade. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't hear a lot in advance. And again, I think there are so many moving pieces. We're probably not going to have a clearer picture till after those meetings with Panarin and his agent that I mentioned here in the next couple of weeks. It fascinate, It always fascinates me how in comparison to every other major North American sports league outside of like Edmonton, nobody talks in the NHL. <laughs> it, 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 it blows my mind. Every, every other sport. I know what the Yankees are doing and thinking. I think every day of the week, I know what yeah. 17 NBA players ate for dinner last night, <laughs> like and 20 yet, minutes ago. We get, we get to, we get to the NHL and it's just like, nah, man, that's the Pentagon. We're not going to know what goes on in the Pentagon. <laughs> It's unbelievable. Like I have access to everything for the NBA. I got nothing in the NHL. <laughs> and Yarmo's one of the one of the strongest. I mean, I'll never forget when that Panarin Sod trade went down. We were all like, "What?" I mean, never in a, you could have told me that was coming. I never would have believed it ever. It's just I, I'm sure it works in those front offices, but it, it sure would be nice for the fans to again outside of it. Edmonton, because I know Peter Trelli is ready to trade everything whenever he wants. He's go. And <laughs> all, all go. it takes, all it takes, is one tweet from Mark Spector, and all of <laughs> Twitter hockey is just up in arms, being like, "This is great. We're going to get Connor McDavid because he's going to overreact to something." Uh, every, everyone else, it's, he like, doesn't no, deserve McDavid. See... Let's just put it out there. He just doesn't deserve him. I don't understand. <laughs> did, did it, like, did anyone see the Andrew Cogliano trade coming today? No, it just happened because that's the NHL. Like, no one gets any warning. <laughs> and listen, if they would like to trade Bobrovsky for McDavid, I mean, I think Columbus would definitely take uh, them up yeah, on that offer. Think? <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I, want, I, want, I think Yarmo would talk about that one. You might be able to get a little yeah. bit out of him for that. <laughs> All right. uh, Allison, we can't possibly have you on the day after Rangers Blue Jackets and not talk about Rick Nash's retirement. Oh, yeah. Um, it, for Ryan, Ryan and I have been on, I think, the same page since we, he was traded to the Bruins. Uh, I, I get to, a, I'm, I'm a big Met fan and I got to this point with David Wright as well. I just want these guys to have a happy and healthy life outside of sports. And if he's still feeling even the slightest bit of anything going on upstairs, I really, he owes nothing to the NHL. I've always, he's probably, the, in my opinion, the most underappreciated Ranger that we've had the experience of getting to watch. Um, he's just a fantastic talent. So I got to a point with him where I just really wanted him to be healthy. And it seems like he's acknowledging that as well. And I've got to applaud him for that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that everyone agrees with that. And, you know, I mean, the, brain health is one of the soapboxes I step onto. And, you know, one of the hardest things about it is, is you look at the guy, even last night, you look at, he looks fine, right? You know, you, you can't see the injury. You can't see that he's still recovering um, from these things. And I, I think that he walked out on the ice last night to do the ceremonial puck drop with his three little ones and his wife. And you know, Columbus has watched this guy since he was a teenager, literally. Um, and to see that picture, to see a family happy together that can still make memories that he will hopefully have as memories and not have to worry about losing and not have to worry about not being able to be with those kids. Um, that's, that's what matters. And, and I think it's also just a really nice moment um, for Columbus. Nash is such an integral part of hockey in Columbus that was not traditionally a hockey market. 
Um, he did so much for the city. He still lives in the city. Little kids still wear 61 because of Rick Nash. And, and there, was a, there was a bit of a trying time with Columbus fans because of the trade request. And then um, a piece of lore for Columbus, I don't know how much it is for the Rangers, but was when the team came back and Rick Nash's first game back at Nationwide as a Ranger. And he, he shoves Bobrovsky, gets in a fight with Matt Calvert, um, kind of a turn heel moment. Um, for Jackets fans. So I think even in that sense, seeing him again in Nationwide without the baggage of, oh, you don't play for us anymore, or oh, you're asking for a trade, and for the fans to be able to show that love and appreciation was was a really special full circle moment for the city and, and for the player. And um, in, there there's comment that this team might actually look to retire his number in the next year or so. And I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a unique kind of number retirement you know this isn't a player that and look what he was playing with but this isn't a player who took his team to the playoffs routinely you know he didn't he wasn't able to do a ton and there will probably be better players that come after him statistically but what he did for the city his ability to give back to the city that to continue to give back to the city what he meant to creating the passion for the game here i think definitely solidifies him as having him be the first number that goes up in the rafters at Nationwide. Well, that would be quite the honor for, for Rick Nash. Uh, I, I, honestly, you saying that was a little surprising to me. I did not expect that to be uh, something they would be considered doing, especially after him leaving like the way he did. So Yeah, I, and, and that's, you know, that's the – it's been a journey, and I think that was it, – it's easy for people to be upset, and I get why they were upset about all the things that went down, but I think when the news came, it, it's like anything, right? People kind of go, oh, well – let me put this in perspective. What do I think? And I think there are still some people who are upset um, to your point, but um, I think at the end of the day, it's an overriding, as you guys said, we just want him to be happy. We just want him to be healthy. And gosh, did this guy do a lot for our city. I will say, and, I do not believe the Islanders will be doing that with John Tavares. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would agree. <laughs> just throwing that one out there. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think, you know, hindsight always, we always have the benefit of it being 2020, but it wasn't a terrible trade for the Blue Jackets in hindsight. Dubinsky, Anisimov, I, I think, did Tutin go over in that trade as well? No, Tutin was here before that. He was here, but I know Anisimov and Dubinsky were the big two. And I don't see any – Ranger fans complain about whatever. You could find it. But to get Nash and then the draft pick, that ends up being Pavel Buchnevich. I don't I, – a Ranger fan would be silly to be upset by that trade. Yeah, and, and I think, you know – as much as it was painful for fans at that time, it, it really became a, a part of a big turning point for the Blue Jackets organization. It was that summer that that trade went down, that Nick Foligno came to Columbus in exchange for Mark Mathot going to Ottawa. Um, so there were really some pivotal moments. And I think as callous as it sounds, where the organization was at that point, you you almost needed that proverbial cleaning of the slate and and let's bring in a whole new set of faces in terms of, of the, the more senior guys, the more leadership oriented guys. Um, and Brandon Dubinsky, I'll never forget it. The, the trade happened, whatever day of the week it was. And literally the very next morning, Brandon Dubinsky was in Columbus. And again, for this fan base to see a player traded to Columbus, particularly after the season that had just ended and say, you guys want me, I'm here, I'm ready, let's go. Just meant the world um, to what was trying to happen here. And I, I agree with you. I think that the trade, I mean, it was painful, but I think it, it definitely did help 
start turning the ship the way it needed to go in Columbus. Well, Allison, thank you so much for coming on and going over all this with us. I really appreciate it. Uh, before you get out of here, you want to plug uh, some of your athletic material and maybe your Twitter? Oh, sure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Um, it's at Allison L, and that's with one L, so at A-L-I-S-O-N-L. Um, and you can find me at The Athletic Cleveland. I cover the Blue Jackets and also Ohio State men's and women's hockey. So um, all three really fun teams to cover and follow this year. Awesome. You can follow Allison. Go to give her a follow. Thank you so much. Hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, guys. I really appreciate it. No problem. Bye-bye. Hey, we're back with our second guest of the day. We have Kent Wilson of the Athletic Calgary. Kent, thank you so much for coming on, man. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, I guess we'll start with Greg introducing himself again. Um, <laughs> yeah, the uh, I, I, I told this to Kent before we started podcasting, but sometimes uh, listeners at home don't exactly know what we go through in order to get very smart people on our podcast. Kent, yep. I, I, tried this, I tried this new strategy called uh, drunkenly DMing Kent Wilson during an open <laughs> bar on a Saturday afternoon. Yes. Uh, it worked, apparently. So I guess the only advice from that is, guys, get drunk and DM people on I, Twitter. I didn't Because that goes flawlessly. didn't read the messages, Kent, but I heard Greg brought up his father at some point. Is that true? Can you confirm? <laughs> I don't know if we want to get into that in public. <laughs> <free>. <laughs> well, all right. Well, enough of that. But I appreciate you being a good sport coming on and we'll actually talk hockey. Um, yeah, no worries. The Rangers are kind of being huge sellers at the deadline. By kind of, I mean certainly. Calgary has had sort of a surprise. Is it a surprising year for Calgary, or, or were you expecting to be this good? Uh, hoping to be this good. Uh, it is still a surprise. Uh, it's been 20-plus years since Calgary's been any sort of Stanley Cup contender, so it's uh, it's something that's been embraced quite enthusiastically by the fan base, but I don't think anyone really expected them to be this good. Well, that brings me I to did, Okay, go ahead, Greg. Yeah, well, I, I just didn't expect the Flames to so thoroughly win the Dougie Hamilton trade like they have. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. It's gone really well. You know, Hannafin's kind of been a guy on the second pairing. He's been good. Uh, he's definitely benefited from Hamannick, who's had a massive rebound season, which uh, sort of came out of left field. But Lindholm fitting on that top line and just blowing away his career, career bests has been has been the key for them. Now, you know, Furlan's been good in Carolina and, and Hamilton's underlying numbers in Carolina are as sterling as usual, but he's kind of been affected by whatever strange offensive killing virus <laughs> is in Carolina. So he's, I think his numbers will improve, but yeah, the, the Lindholm addition has just been a revelation for Calgary. And you wrote, you, you're doing a great two-part series on the athletic, which is, it just worked out that we got you on today. Today you wrote yeah, about where the Flames need to improve. Tomorrow you're writing about who they can actually target to improve. And Correct. enter the New York Rangers. How can we help? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, uh, in the piece I, I note that Calgary is, you know, they're the, the best team in the West right now, but they are very top-heavy. You know, they're, they're prodded forward by Mark Giordano, their, their first pairing on the back end. Um, their second pairing's good, as as noted, but it's the first line up front that is just killing all comers. And their second line is pretty good with Backlund and Kachuk, and then it just falls off a cliff after those guys. In fact, Calgary, in terms of Stanley Cup contenders right now, have the worst bottom six rotation uh, in the league. So it's they desperately need to add at least one more good piece up front, uh, I think, to to really you know have 
the sort of roster you'll want in, in order to take on the San Jose's and the Nashville's and, you know, maybe Tampa Bay, if that's the team that makes it to the finals in the East, cause they're a juggernaut. We're so hoping, by the way, in case you're wondering. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, I think my eye is on Kevin Hayes the most in, in New York. He fits a lot of the profile Calgary's looking for, you know, he's big. They, they're going to want that going into the playoffs, but he's right-handed. He can play center. Uh, the one thing that Bill Peters has done this year is he really likes having right-handed guys who have played center who can take strong side face-off. So that's what Lindholm does on the top line. That's what Derek Ryan does on the third and fourth line when he's centering those lines. So it's he likes to have, and he does not have that on the second line right now with Kachuk and Backlund. So Hayes could probably slip right into the top six, bump someone like Sam Bennett or Froelich down to the, the bottom six where they can support that uh, rotation a little better. And he seems to be uh, a guy that makes sense as a target. I guess the the natural follow-up to that question is, what do the Flames have to offer that the Rangers would, would want at this point? Is there a prospect, a first-round pick, obviously? Uh, do you have yours first-round yeah. pick? Uh, they do, yeah. They've, they've run through a lot of first- and second-round picks the last few years, but I believe they, they do have their first-round pick next year. So obviously the first round pick would be on the table. Can you do you know a lot about the farm system or prospects that would be available for the Rangers? Well, I'll I'll jump in there, Ken. I know the two names Ranger sure. fans are definitely going to want, and the question is, do the Flames feel comfortable trading them? Rasmus Anderson is going to come up, and same with uh, Valamaki. Uh, Val- yes. yes, those two names. No matter what else happens. They're being uttered by Ranger fans if we're talking Kevin Hayes. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, those both those guys are probably non-starters. Uh, on the back end, They, if they hadn't traded Adam Fox in the Hamilton deal, you may have been able to talk about Rasmus Anderson, but at this point, he's, he's you know, they, they've liked him the most out of the rookies this year. He's 22, 21-22, and they think he has a bright future, and they don't have much behind him. They have Michael Stone and Dalton Prout, who are both sort of doddering veterans, who you wouldn't want to rely on full-time, I don't think. And then Valimaki is probably their only blue-chip prospect in the system right now, and they like him a ton. Like, they traded Brett Kulak at the start of the year just because after training camp, they were they were confident that Valimaki could replace his contributions. So it's neither of those guys I don't think will be up. You know, unless we're talking about a Mark Stone uh, level player who would you know really move the needle Hayes is kind of a second tier uh, target behind a guy like that but uh, there's other guys there's Dylan Dubé who's on the farm the the team really likes him too he started the year in the NHL he's a uh, you know really fast he had a great WHL career he was team Canada's captain last year in the world junior championships and I think he has a pretty good future uh, in the NHL they have Andrew Mangiapane who is uh one of the best AHL scorers in the league last year and the guy who's kind of jumped up and down on the farm this year. And I don't know if there's much beyond that. Maybe Matthew Phillips, who's a little little guy who also tore apart the WHL and is starting to come on in the AHL this year. So maybe those guys move the needle a little bit for New York, but I'm, I'm guessing for someone like Hayes, there would have to be a package deal of picks and prospects. Yeah, and the thing that... I know Ryan and I would feel a certain way if we were acquiring Kevin Hayes. So we have to ask it of you. Mm-hmm. Does the expiring contract scare you at all? Or do you think the flames are in a position where rental or no rental, they, this is a window that they need to capitalize on. 
Yeah, I, I think the Flames will be looking for rentals this year. They have they have a cap situation that they're going to have to manage pretty carefully moving into next season, mostly because Matthew Kachuk comes up for renewal and he's going to be an expensive guy to re-sign, especially given the season he's having now. So they, they're also going to have to re-sign Sam Bennett, assuming he's still around next year. So it's, it's the type of thing where uh, an expiring contract might actually be a boon for, for a player like Kevin Hayes. And again, this is the, the flames haven't had this good of a roster, this good of a start in the NHL since their 90, their 88, 89 cup winning team. So if they're going to gamble on going all in on a roster, it's going to be this one. I also noticed in your piece today that the flames could use some depth defensemen. Can we interest you in Adam McQuaid? Yeah, it's pretty much free. Just, just take him. Just take him. Just literally (laughs) take him. He's all yours. No. No, I don't think so. We've got enough of those those guys right now on the bottom, and we really need someone who can anchor the the third pairing relatively reliably. Fine, twist our arms, Mark Stahl. No yeah, problem. No, it's going to be tough, but we can give him to you. Yeah, not a, not a big deal. Uh, we'd have to say. I, I do not like that contract. I mean, maybe you could talk to them if you're going to eat half that salary, but even then. What if we I did? Don't. We're talking. The, about fact, that, the fact that the fact that that wasn't an outright no means I'm intrigued. Yeah. I'm what, intrigued. what else do you need? You need like a pick because we can figure that out too. Um, oh boy! Yeah, the, your eagerness to get rid of Mark Stahl makes makes me wary. No, he's actually one of our better defensemen this year. That shouldn't tell you all you need to know about the Rangers. The Yeesh. other with depth pieces you mentioned, Kevin Hayes. Could we interest you in maybe a Vladimir Domestikov piece, maybe a Jamie VC? Are you trying to build those bottom those bottom six lines that way or? Just really going for those big pieces. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think they could really add guys like that. That would, I mean, it'd just be sort of more of the same what they have on the bottom. And they have, you know, Austin Zarnick, who's kind of this tweener who they hoped would develop into something. Hasn't really. They got Mark Jankowski, who they think will be better than he is, but does not move the needle at five on five right now. They got James Neal, who I wish they could get rid of, but can't. So it's it's sort of this odd mix of misfit toys in the bottom six and I don't think they can add to that they they have to be sure that either the guy is going to be an upgrade on what they have or will push one of Sam Bennett or Michael Frolik who usually play on the second line down permanently well good news you only have four more years of uh, James Neal so that's good after after this one that'll be super fun for you Uh, but we have the Mark Stahl contract and we've lived through it you'll be okay everything worked out Uh, so Kevin Hayes is really the only person you're you're really interested in for the Rangers Editor's note, Kent cut out right now at this moment as you're listening to this. Uh, we asked him about Zuccarello when he got back, and we cut that part in and to the ending of the podcast. Okay, back to the interview. Okay, I was, <laughs> I was saying, you know, a couple of years ago he probably would have there been interesting. Go. But, but uh, yeah, he's he seems to have really fallen away this year, which is a, sort of a big red flag, unfortunately. So you, you would think, uh, and this is maybe not just the Flames, but – you are you act, you are of the opinion that Matt Zuccarello's stock has taken a considerable tumble this year as a complete outside observer. Yeah, and, and maybe that's not right. I you know I'm not talking to scouts or, or NHL GMs. I'm just looking at you know I look at the the underlying numbers and stuff, and they have kind of just fallen apart on him. And I, I was a big Zuccarello fan for a few years, and now he seems whatever for whatever reason. He's not driving play. He's not scoring at even strength. And those are, you know, that's a problem. 
Yeah, it Zook, I think, and, and I, Ryan and I have talked about this on the pod before as well, but it hurts our soul a little bit because he's he's such a fan favorite. Everyone has such a positive opinion of Matt Zuccarello in New York, and watching him struggle this season, it feels so connected to the fact that his name has now been in trade rumors for the better part of two years. Yeah. I, it's it it's it's a tough it's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, that's too bad. It's funny. I, I lived through something similar a few years ago. Is when Calgary was kind of falling apart. They had uh, Mike Camilleri on. He's coming down to his, his UFA years, his last year with the team, and he was just terrible for weeks prior to the trade deadline. So bad that, you know, the Flames were only offered something like a third or fourth round draft pick for him, and, and Brian Burke, who was in charge at the time, just said no. And then after the trade deadline, he went on fire. He was great for the rest of the year, and they got nothing for him. It just, it just seems that's what's going to happen with Zuccarello for us. So just, you know, feel yeah. bad for us. I appreciate it. Uh, Ken, Ken, we appreciate you coming on, man. Why don't you take some time to just plug your Twitter and uh, what you do at the athletic? Yeah, sure thing. I'm, I'm on Twitter. It's my name. So Kent underscore Wilson. I write for the athletic, uh, the Calgary side of things. So obviously I'm in Calgary, Calgary fan for lots of years. I used to run flames nation for, for a little while. And I moved over to the athletic and I'm one of those annoying advanced stats guys. Uh, I was around during the, we're friends with a lot of them. So it's okay. (laughs) Around in the 2005-2006 era when it really started, kicked off. So I'm one of the originals. And uh, so if you you want to talk to me on on Twitter, we can talk some numbers. You probably talked to you- Drew, right? That's how we, talk, that's how we know you? That's true, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Drew's, a, Drew's a monster. Yeah, I feel, I feel like I should also apologize to Drew for having the worst introduction ever to anyone I've ever brought on this podcast. Probably. By, uh, <laughs> Almost it, it was, it, I wish, Ken, I wish I could better explain it. I, but between the hours of 3.30 PM and 9.30 PM on Saturday afternoon into the evening, I can't account for anything that I, <laughs> where I was, what I did. I, I was a zombie. I saw That's him really once. All he was all right. Still alive. Ken, thanks so much for coming on. Hopefully uh, we end up trading you Kevin Hayes. Thanks, man. That would be good. Thanks guys. We're back. Thanks so much for Kent. And Allison for coming on, talking a little bit of sports with the guys. But for now, we want to do a little announcement. We talked about it on Twitter last week, but we're doing a special series with the Riveters of the NWHL. We'll be doing a Rosie's House of Hockey podcast, a four-part series. Uh, it'll come out this Thursday. Is that correct, Greg? Yeah, yeah. We're, well, you know when we're doing the first interview just as well as I do. Well, I didn't know when I was putting it out. This is my question. Uh, oh, but- yes. Thursday. Well, uh, Randy... Head coach Randy Valachek is uh, interview number one. We, we were very, ex- very excited about really it. Really excited to be parting with the Riveters. We've we've become close with them, I would say. Uh, not the team themselves, but the people that work for the Riveters. Harris has really hooked it up for us. And uh, we'll be doing a four-part series. We're going to interview three players and the coach. And the coach will be the first one that comes out on Thursday. So hopefully you guys can check that out. Uh, it'll just be a normal BSB episode, but just Riveters-centric, talking about the team, trying to get people interested in the team and what they're doing over there. That's a pretty fair assumption, right? Yeah, and just to get a better idea, I, how many times do we just assume hockey players live a certain life? So we're going to try and peel the curtain back a little bit, understand what it is, not just to be a part of the Riveters defending uh, Isabel Cup champions and all that, but, I mean, for lack of a better term, these women are pioneers in the women's hockey game. So it, like we, you, it's so much smaller scale. but It's the start. You and, like- you, you and I started a podcast three years ago, not knowing where it's going to go. These women are taking a much bigger risk with their lives and careers to 
get this league going somewhere. And it was and, started also three years ago. Yeah, and we think that's an important message to investigate, to understand it better, to figure out what it takes to make this league successful. And the league's been a tremendous success so far, and they're just getting started. And I got to so say, if you get a chance to, like, we'll talk about this, obviously, on other episodes, but if you get a chance to go to Riveter's game, it's a lot of fun. I uh, meant to tell you, I think I'm going February 2nd. Day, it's a, it's day, a Saturday. Day before the Super Bowl. Uh, yes, because I'm also going to Rangers Lightning that night with our friend Ryan Kiernan. Oh, that makes sense. So uh, I'm going to I'm gonna do the hockey doubleheader, do Newark at 2, and then the Garden at 8. Man, they're going to get crushed. Uh, the Rangers. Yes. I don't know. The Riveters might win. That's true. They've had a little... The Rangers, the Rangers are going to get smoked. Yeah, it's going to be very exciting. Smoked. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, let's thank everyone that came out to We had the drink up. We talked about it on the, on the extra a little bit already, but uh, had a great time. Want to thank some people in particular that came out. Uh, this guy, Otis, who came out from Col- who's in New York City, randomly from Colorado and decided to hang out with us. That's crazy. Otis, thanks so yeah. much for coming out, man. Uh, and also, you. thank you for your service, buddy. He's going down to Fort Benning to... Uh, start uh, training very soon. That's true, and we will try and stay with you every Tuesday morning for that if you are allowed to listen to us still. Who knows? Yeah, um, <laughs> I warned him about the disgusting temperatures that are going to be like in Georgia, but that man does... Uh, what, what the fuck are you coming from Denver to see us No, he wasn't seeing us. He wasn't coming just for us. He was just I know, but still, city. like you're in New York City. Literally do anything else but hang out with a fucking moron who slid into Kent Willis, Wilson's DMs at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Kent, Kent loved you, man. Um, <laughs> just... <laughs> I, uh, sure, sure love you. I, and just a quick round up everyone else I want to thank Bob Kawa for always being a bro my friend Dan always comes out uh, Phil who came out and said hi to us met a bunch of people from Reddit met Mick and Ashley uh, met, uh, made him and his like 10 boys he brought through met how yeah, you that dude that, that dude rolls squat deep and then uh, how you do is in and a couple other people uh, always a pleasure to hang out with everyone if I miss anyone uh, I'd miss Ben Weber he's definitely a, a big supporter of us uh, missed anyone, you, you missed you missed Harrison, who not only is a big supporter of us, but I just said his name. We've d- that's why I oh know. well, I'm saying it again because oh, okay. he's that important. Uh, Tyler, who was the first fucking person there Tyler. when I got there at Tyler, the twelve God. fifteen in the afternoon. The God, Jesus Tyler. Christ! Yeah, let me let me look. We don't deserve you guys. It's I true. do not understand why the fuck you listen to us. First of all, second, we most certainly do not deserve you. You are way too kind to us, uh, and we will continue to work. To try and make that up to you guys. Because most of you, I mean, some of you, like that Anthony Sue Kim motherfucker, <laughs> are just complete fucking assholes. You know, he's got to hear his most, name on the podcast and be like, these motherfuckers. I don't know if he smiles. I wonder if he smiles. I, I don't think he has a soul. So I don't think he has the basis of smiling. But most of you guys are some of the sweetest human beings I've ever met in my entire fucking life. Now let's and, talk about not sweet human beings. <laughs> fucking fits dude what, like I just dude if you're not a, coming just tell us you're not coming i just want to give a big clap out uh, for fits of the garden faithful oh my god uh, arri- Love fits. Uh, he's uh, been on this podcast i think five times a rival podcast now listen sometimes things come up man they happen i'm not here to argue but no. i'm just here to tell you you don't have to come you can just tell us <laughs> it's not a big uh, deal i just the fact that We've hung out with Ethan and Duffs more than a we've ever more. hung out with Fitz. Uh, first, Ethan, Ethan and Duffs. I mean, they deserve well, their own Ethan's our shout out as well. For sure. Those guys, they know how to fucking party. That's true. Absolutely true. Uh, shout, shouts to them. Shouts to Gotham Sports for always being a friend of the pod. Mm-hmm. It's always fun when we get to do events with them. We will be doing more events with them. Uh, honestly, considering we were in enemy territory for a game the Rangers won, Worked out. Offside Tavern could not have been a 
more fun crew of At hockey First fans. period, total shit show. Uh, hard to get beers. Second period, beers were easy to come by, and uh, everyone left when the Rangers won, and we had a great time. <laughs> so there was, I no one picked a fight, even though I said multiple times, "All right, I'm gonna go pick a fight." You did say that, uh, just like that. Too. I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I was unable to pick a fight. I think I just made more friends. Uh, apparently, I'm just really fucking friendly when I'm drunk. What can I say? Who, who knew? Who knew? But yeah, dude, Fitz, I love you. You know we love you, but Fitzy, buddy, just man. We won't be angry if you say you can't come. I was just it's looking fine. for someone to walk in with a Steph Curry jersey, give me a high five, talk about the Warriors. I the funny even... thing is, we're going to find out after the fact that Fitz was actually there. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be if, if he was Fitz, there the Fitz whole time. Fitz was actually just incognito the whole time. Here's the problem, though. We know what Fitz looks like. I know. Uh, we, we've broken the mystique. We, hold on. Are we sure? Because. It's true. Uh, someone, I brought this up, and they were like, well, we saw Carrie Fisher in the new Star Wars movie, and she's dead. <laughs> so I mean CGI she, is she did she did die after the filming though you but that, right that's correct but they did do a lot of CGI and my point was they came, CGI came a long way so it has so it Fitz, has. Fitz could just be bland white guy and we wouldn't know where uh Duffs and I said we're gonna go back and listen to Garden Faithfuls and separate the Woj and Fitz tracks to see how they make them overlap because pretty it's just Woj doing a voice pretty sure they never talk over each other it's just Woj doing a voice uh, yeah. props to Woj it's true. All right, man. Uh, it's been a fun podcast, a long one. Tune in to Greg on Twitter at Blue Shirts Break. I'm at Orion Mead. I hardly tweet. Thanks for following, though. Uh, I want to thank everyone for showing up. And uh, subscribe on Patreon. It really helps us out. Love you all. Well, uh, if, if oh. you subscribe on Patreon, you will hear the beginnings of details for our next two live events, one of which Ryan might not be at. Uh, yeah, uh, update on that. I'll, I'll update you off off screen. And uh, sometime soon we'll talk about my family once I get more of an update. Bye, Please everyone. Know.